Artistic Whispers Productions presents... Down from 10, a country house mystery written and performed by J. Daniel Sawyer. Author contact information at www.jdsawyer.net. Featuring the vocal talents of... Philippa Ballantyne. T. Morris. Kitty Nakian. Nathan Lowell. Miss Calendar. Novellus Reed. Christiana Ellis. Chris Lester. With original music by Danny Shade. This podcast contains adult language, sexual situations, and bizarre humor. Listener discretion is advised. Greetings, Earthlings. Well, hello, this is Miss Calendar of the Brass Needles Knitting and Science Fiction Podcast, located at www.brassneedles.com. You're listening to Episode 8, and this is the story so far. In Xanadu did Kubla Khan a stately avalanche decree, and ghosts and fractals in the mirrors, and shadowy figures, and people getting walked in on in the bathroom. On the third day of the Xanadu retreat, our heroes are entombed, and after making sure the guns are stowed and everyone's okay, it's time to discuss their options. Chapter 7. Continued. (laughs) The sight of Sarah's waggling hips pointing straight out towards the window, and her spine running from her tailbone down to her long brown ponytail flipped over her head as she bowed low with her face nearly to the bed, was enough to set Katie's juices flowing and her head swimming. The fact that Sarah's mouth was buried in Katie's crotch only made it better. She lay stretched crosswise on Gerd's bed, bucking her hips against the delightful, snacking juiciness of Sarah's tongue teasing between the folds of her labia and running rings around her clit. She bucked and scooted, trying to force her pussy further up into Sarah's mouth. Sarah responded by opening her mouth wide and engulfing Katie's vulva, Sarah's tongue trailing down Katie's perineum towards her rim. But the little minx didn't go lower. She just stayed there, breathing heat in and out like an unassuming Mm. dragon. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, right there. Yeah. Oh, don't stop. Which was what she did almost immediately. When Katie raised her head to look at Sarah, she found the dancer's glistening wet face grinning at her like a village idiot at a witch burning. As soon as their eyes met, Sarah giggled. Garrett's going to have a conniption. <laughs> Us using his bed without him. <laughs> we won't tell him. <laughs> Katie reached down and grabbed Sarah on the sides of her head and pressed in, trying to get the little tease to get back to work eating her out. Sarah dipped her head back down and started <laughs> nipping lightly at Katie's cunt folds, just enough to drive Katie crazy and make her walk her hips back away from the assault. In between nibbles, Sarah mused. (laughs) Just imagine. Bite. How much better he'll sleep. Sarah's fingernails scratched lightly at the inside of Katie's thigh. With a smell of fresh girl everywhere. Oh. Oh. Katie shrieked, halfway between a laugh and a moan, as Sarah nipped at the soft flesh inside her thigh and blew on it. She wriggled and bucked trying to get away, pushing backwards hard enough that she tumbled headfirst off the bed. Sarah, who was firmly attached to Katie's legs, came off on top of her as Katie tried to twist around so she didn't break her neck in the fall. Ow! Katie spat out the bits of carpet she found stuck in her teeth and rubbed at the bruise on her shoulder. Oh god, I'm sorry, Katie. Are you okay? I think I'll survive. Sarah rolled up onto her haunches and offered Katie a hand. Here. 
Katie accepted Sarah's hand and started to haul herself up when she saw something glint under Gerd's nightstand. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on a second. She scooted herself till she was sitting on one leg and peered under the table. It looked like some kind of syringe. Carefully, she retrieved it and held it up to the light. What is that? Sarah's voice was equal parts fascination and disgust. Katie didn't blame her. It looked like something Giger had designed on a bad acid trip. A lightweight hypodermic needle that might have crawled out of the intestines of a demon. Maybe Garrett's diabetic? Katie held the thing like a dirty diaper. Sarah took it from her and laid it flat in her hands, looking it over like the corpse of a well-loved kitten, her eyes wild. I've never seen one like that. What do you... Footsteps interrupted Katie's question. Katie didn't listen to find out if they were heavy enough to be Gerd's. She snatched the syringe from Sarah's hands and tossed it back under the nightstand, then bent down to grab the waistband of her jeans now tangled around her right leg, knocking herself back on the bed in the process. While she fumbled with threading her left foot through her panties and jeans, Sarah vaulted back across the bed, overshot, and skittered to a thud between the bed and the door. Unfortunately, Sarah was trying to negotiate her inside-out t-shirt, and Katie only had her jeans halfway on when Jeremiah's voice came through the unlatched door with a tap. Katie, are you in? The door swung open wide enough for Jeremiah to get a healthy look at both women fumbling to get dressed. He probably smelled them, too. And the look on his face said that he wasn't taking it well. His mouth hung a bit loose at the jaw. The skin on his face was shuffling through varying shades from mild pink to tomato red. Katie followed his eyeline back to Sarah, who had somehow done the fastest redress job in history, pulling her shirt and panties on and her pants mostly fastened in the 20 seconds since Katie had last looked at her. Katie silently cursed her recalcitrant pants leg and turned back to Jeremiah. She'd meant to welcome him in, but all that greeted her when she looked again at the doorway was the sound of his footsteps beating a hasty retreat. Katie looked back at Sarah, who shrugged and shook her head. Shit. What had scared him off this time? Leaving Sarah standing behind the bed looking bemused, Katie tore through the doorway and ran down the hallway after him. Jeremiah! He'd nearly already made it to the balcony at the top of the stairs. Jeremiah! Wait! She caught up to him and grabbed him by the elbow. He jumped at the touch and turned around. His face looked a little vacant, as if he'd just seen a ghost. Are you okay? He didn't respond right away. She looked down over the lip of the balcony to see if they'd attracted an audience. Amos, laying back across Carol's lap in his accustomed corner of the long couch, looked up at the balcony with an unpleasant edginess, probably unhappy about being disturbed as Carol pet his hair. Katie kept hold of Jeremiah's elbow and pulled him back a few steps and over to a corner where they could have some privacy. Jeremiah? No, I'm not. I mean, you... He stumbled to a stop and sighed. He took a breath regrouped, and tried again. I'm just a little thrown by all this. That's all. No big deal. What? I could see that if you were a priest, but damn, you're a dancer. You go to oh, bars and- that's way and... different. He looked down his nose at her as if incensed. You're on the road, you work hard, you go to a bar, you pick someone up. This free love thing, it's just fucking weird. <laughs> That's your problem. Katie laughed out loud in his face, and as much as she didn't want it to, some of her frustration and contempt bled into the sound. <laughs> There's no such thing. As what? <laughs> Free love? <laughs> what in the hell do you call this? Um, a uh, family? Jeremiah looked confused again. Katie wondered if the obstetrician had smacked the wrong end when he was born. She decided to give him another leg up. Maybe he'd get it this time.
What you do, bouncing from bed to bed out of boredom, that's what people call free love. But it's not. It's sex. Not the same thing, but it can pass for it when you're lonely. What we have here, in this family, that's love. Love isn't free. And the better it is, the more it costs. (laughs) Right. Oh, I know you wouldn't know. I see it every time you look at Sarah or me. I saw it yesterday when you were watching Sarah and Garrett talking. I saw it in your eyes last night when we were in bed. She leaned in, making sure she had his full attention, and nearly whispered, You don't have any friends, and you like it that way. Hey now, I've got plenty of friends. People you work with? Other activists? She paused to let him answer. He nodded, so she plunged on. People who love you because you agree with them. If you step out of line, you're out of the club. A heretic. He blanched. That got him. His eyebrows sank low over his eyes. He'd been stung but good. His voice got lower and edgier. I spend my life working for justice for the weak. There it was. Katie found herself wishing he wasn't so predictable. She cut him off as if continuing the same sentence, not showing that she'd heard a word he said. The cause is all that matters. That shut him up. She waited for him to meet her eyes again. Jeremiah, I've been there. I know what that feels like. It's heavy, like you have to care enough to make up for the whole world. Like things will never get fixed unless you fix them. He nodded, speechless. She continued. We don't have any room for that kind of shit here. Every one of the people here, different careers, different religions, disagreements on everything. You know what keeps it together? She reached out and laid her hand on his chest. We love each other. Jeremiah fainted backwards beyond her reach. Everybody here, and I mean everybody, has put herself on the line for another one. Heart, money, reputation, career. That's what it costs. That's why we're free with each other. It's not light. It's not cheap. We've already paid for it. Great cover for a meat market. His voice was bitter as powdered alum. You know what? When you grow ears, come find me. She turned her back on him and started walking back to her room. She didn't get three steps before she heard his voice. Come on, don't do that. She whirled back around on him. You know, you go to bars and find people you don't know all the time. She was tired of playing nice, of being hospitable, of giving him the benefit of the fucking doubt. He was a pimply teenager with more stupid than body hair. Anyone can have sex. We've all got the parts for it. But how many people do you know who you want to keep touching for ten days without a break if life didn't keep pulling you hundreds of miles apart? Who you miss all the time when you're not together, and who you check up on every few days. Jeremiah looked like someone had just cut the legs off his horse at full gallop. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's who these people are to me, and I am not going to pretend different for you. Christ, you've only known me two days and you're getting possessive. Make up your mind, Jeremiah. Jump onto the fuck pile or keep to yourself, but don't go around with one foot in each pond. All of us, we only see each other every few months, if we're lucky, and almost never all at once. She stopped to catch her breath, trying to figure out how to sum up what she was trying to say. This is our heaven. Don't poison it. Jeremiah shook his head. It's not you, it's just... You don't get it. Never mind. Katie studied his face for a moment, and in the cracks in the anger and self-righteousness, she saw how lonely he was. 
She caught his eyes unconsciously flicking past her, back to the room she'd just come from. Back to the room that Sarah was still in. If that's really it, why don't you go talk to Sarah? She might be willing to switch for you. It's not about that. It's complicated. She's not... fuck it. Jeremiah shook his head violently and stalked down the stairs, nearly knocking her over as he shoved past. Katie looked after him, half-tempted to find a good baseball bat and clock him upside the head for being such a prick. Instead, she walked back up the hall to Gerd's room, where she found Sarah peeking out the bedroom door. Jeremiah hit the bottom of the stairs like a bag full of flour, then stomped his way into the kitchen. He hadn't had any breakfast yet, so there was no way to get his head clear. Between Kevin's dick and Sarah's tits and Katie's coos, he'd had more teasing than he could take. And then Katie had lectured him. She had fucking yelled at him for Christ's sake, and he was just done. Fucking done. He didn't care how nice she tried to be to him again. She'd pretty much made it plain that she hated his guts and considered him nothing more than a pity fuck. He escaped all the questions in the living room. Their eyes, all those eyes, following him around like riot cops and groupies until he managed to hide in the kitchen. The mantelpiece clock dinged its half-hour chime as Kevin descended the stairs. The misadventure in the bathroom had kept him long enough that he was late for the family meeting, whatever it was about. He found the living room eerily populated. People were here, and no one was talking. Amos dozed in Carol's lap as she ran her fingers through his hair in a way that, if he didn't know better, Kevin would have thought looked fretful. Come to think of it, he didn't know better. If it rattled Carol, then either someone had spilled wine on the carpet or someone's mother had just died. There weren't a lot of other things that would get to her. When he reached the edge of the circle, nobody looked up. No raucous conversation, no flirting and teasing. A thin film of doom seemed to cling to everyone. As he stood next to the couch, he felt one of Gerd's massive hands on his arm, and without really registering what he was doing, he reached down and embraced his old friend. When he straightened up, Carol was still quiet. He wondered if this was more of the same strangeness from the bathroom. Carol? She looked up at him, and she seemed to suddenly wake from her reverie. Yes? Did you dose me? What? That sticker you slapped on my butt. Was there acid on the sticker? Well, I could shoot you for suggesting I'd be that rude. Or I suppose I could ask, why? Oh, never mind. Either she had and she was playing dumb, or she hadn't. Either way, it was obvious everyone else was preoccupied with something more important. I thought I saw something. Skip it. What did I miss? Looked out a windows this morning. Mine was iced over, I think. I'm glad you're not sad understated with your paintings, mon ami. The Frenchman swung his legs off the couch, opening a seat for Kevin, which he took. From the kitchen, he heard the sound of a beer cracking open. He looked over his shoulder and saw Jeremiah chugging a bottle of Pyramid like a frat boy, then leaning his head down against the fridge, then hitting himself on the back of the head a few times with an open fist. Did he have some kind of parasite in his ear? The floor show ended when Jeremiah lifted his head from the fridge and walked back into the living room. The dancer studiously avoided Kevin's gaze, looking instead at Katie and Sarah, who were finally joining the rest of the group. Kevin sighed with relief that he wasn't the tardiest in the class, at least not this time. As if someone had lit a signal fire, 
Adele slipped in from the solarium door. Katie leaned back against the bar and met Carol's eyes, then asked the question that was on everyone's mind. Or at least, on Kevin's mind, though if it wasn't on everyone's, he wanted to know how everyone suddenly became so terminally incurious. So, what's the bad news? You tell me. Carol's tone sounded clipped. Not good. Katie shook her head and started circling around towards Adele. All the bedrooms are dark. Sarah took a seat on Gerd's lap, kissing him on the cheek and sighing as she leaned back on his chest and lay her head on his shoulder. Only Jeremiah wasn't in the circle now. He'd taken up a bolt-friendly pole position at the foot of the stairs. Did you check the attic? Um, uh... Sarah's voice sounded from his left. Kevin turned toward her to see her face turning rosy. We, uh, didn't get that far. Kevin bopped her lightly on the shoulder. Hey, now, no screwing on my bed when I'm not there. What makes you think your bed is so special, Mr. Fancy Pants? She raised a pair of haughty eyebrows at him. Uh, wishful thinking, obviously. Kevin swept his gaze back over the group. Jeremiah was aggressively not looking at Katie, who was hugging Adele good morning by the solarium door. He'd been acting weird all morning. Kevin would have to ask Katie later what the big deal was. She seemed to be the only one he'd talk to. Katie disengaged from Adele and moved on, obviously making the rounds. Adele followed her. Jeremiah, having evidently run out of subtextual angst, decided to join the conversation. So we're going to lose the electricity? I doubt it. The power lines are buried. We've lost the phone, though, and the gas line's frozen. Mm, hello? Carol craned back in response to Katie's caresses on her head, and Katie leaned down and kissed her. They took their time about it like the old lovers they were. Kevin smiled. Well, hold on. Sarah cocked her head to the side as if trying to remember something. I didn't pay much attention to organic chem. But she stopped when she realized that Carol wasn't listening yet. Glad you made it down. Adele? Katie moved out of the way, and Carol reached back for Adele. Kevin, anticipating Carol's next move, did his best not to snort. Sarah, not content with being ignored, cleared her throat. Like I was saying, if the gas line's frozen, why isn't the water? But Carol seemed not to hear her as she pulled Adele to her. Adele, for her part, seemed to be aiming for a genteel, European-style kiss of greeting. When Carol planted a wet one straight on her lips, her eyes shot open in shock. Jesus, Carol. Is there anyone here you haven't slept with? There wasn't much humor in Jeremiah's voice, and when Kevin looked back over at the kid, his amusement looked like it had been painted on by a drunken clown. Carol shifted her attention to Jeremiah, then back to Adele, her eyes glittering. Oh, <laughs> One or two. She kissed Adele again, this time a peck on the cheek, and let her go. Sorry if I embarrassed you. No, no, it's fine. Just wasn't expecting it. Adele looked a little flustered, but she covered it gracefully. She was a remarkably good sport, considering. Carol finally turned her attention to Sarah's question. We're on well water and septic up here. There's no real grid for anything but power. Well then, Carol, my love... If we're not going to lose power, then why do we need those? Kitty pointed over to the hearth, where a flat of candles lay. Ask the physicist. Hey, don't look at me. You said they're buried underground. Way to catch me from left field, Carol. Right. Adele also looked unconcerned. So they're insulated? Well, it's more that they're not going to get knocked down or shorted out. You could lay out bare copper in a California snowstorm without cooling the metal enough to change its conductivity. So, like I said, don't look at me. Now, will somebody tell me what's going on? 
A grand avalanche, my friend. Amos grumbled from behind half-closed eyes. Or a series of them. Oui, the snow is up around us past the skylights. Well, we've got to dig our way out. Irritating, but not a big deal. Sarah shook her head at him as if to say, All those degrees and no common sense. He did his best not to laugh at her. And what good will that do? It's not like we can nip down to Starbucks for a frappuccino. Why must we do anything? Well, we're obviously getting some air in here, but if we're snowed in, it won't last much longer. Kevin couldn't help but notice that Jeremiah was now sulking on the staircase, but Amos deigned to open one eye all the way and point it directly at Gerd before Kevin could flag Jeremiah's attention down. He's right, Gerd. We have to find a way to get out. If we all gonna suffocate... Amos droned on a bit, but Kevin tuned him out when he saw Katie raise a dry eyebrow at the hostess. Love the party atmosphere, Carol. So festive. Oh, they'll be fine once they figure out whose dick is bigger. Hello, Jeremiah. Trying to map out a battle plan here. They'd need all the ideas they could get for this, even if they weren't from a particularly fertile brain. You're all plenty nuts. You don't need my help getting yourself killed. There's no reason to worry, mon dieu. Katie, in her greeting circuit, came to Kevin and bent down over the back of the couch, kissing him pleasantly on the cheek. She then pressed the side of her face to his and looked with him at Gerd. Well, that's that. A frog's finally gone mental. Mental? No, no, not at all. We are safe here. There's buku wood for heat, water to drink, and good food. There was a report yesterday said the storm would be passed by, well, by now. We plan to stay another eight days anyway, yes? Plenty of time for the snowplows to arrive. Kevin nodded. He had a point, so long as they could figure out a way to avoid suffocation. Katie thankfully drew back from Kevin's head a bit so she'd have room to snort properly without blowing out his ear. All this on the testimony of the weatherman. Your skepticism warms my heart. Kiss me, Kate. You're going to have to work a lot harder than that to get a piece of meat, love. Kevin turned around to face Katie. No, Kate, he's right. Eight days is plenty of time. Jeremiah stood up and walked over to the hearth, standing suspiciously over the candles before looking at Carol like an incensed cocker spaniel. So, what's with the candles? It's hardly a proper blackout without candles. Carol pulled her legs up onto the couch so she was sitting in a lotus. If we were having a blackout, which we are not... Garrett. Adele, her hands planted on the couch back above where Amos stubbornly lay with his eyes closed, leaned forward intently. Have any of you ever been out of the country? You do not think I got this accent watching poor roll, do you? I mean, out of a westernized country. No. It shows. Oh? Adele's lips pursed in a gallows grimace. Cox's Bazaar in Bangladesh has more people hooked into the grid than the grid can support. Kevin suddenly cottoned on to where she was going. When everyone turns their things on at once... Boom. The missionary nodded darkly. And since the gas is out... Yep. Kevin couldn't resist a smile. The air of impending doom wasn't exactly cheery, but it did get the blood moving. And it made a hell of a lot more sense than fractals in the mirror. People are going to be using electric heaters. And our power is going to go. Wait a minute. Sarah pivoted on Gerd's lap and fixed her eyes on Kevin. If the electricity goes, what about the well pump? How are we going to get water? Hush, child. Carol's hands stopped their movement through Amos's hair. Trust Mom. We're trapped under a mountainside of snow, and you're playing kink games and talking about tea time. You people are total batshit. Ah, keep it down. 
Amos cracked his eyes open like a cantankerous grizzly bear. Some of us are trying to sleep. Carol reached across and patted him firmly on his ass. Time to wake up, sleepyhead. Ah, fuck off, will you? We need your razor wit. Tough. I didn't bring my strop to bed and I didn't get any sleep this morning. Come on, up with you. She pushed his head forward to dump him off her lap. Amos got the point and sat up properly, rubbing the sleep out of his eyes and looking around at the somber assembly with an overweening sense of indignance. So? Sarah's voice was almost shrill. She was clearly sick of being ignored and not willing to lie down about it. Exactly what do we do? Supplies, love. Carol ran her fingers up the back of Amos's neck while she spoke directly to Sarah, who let her breath go with relief. There's a generator. We'll have to fuel it. A generator? Beautiful idea. But the time had come to face basic physics. And what about air? Carol shook her head dismissively. It's got its own separate... Fuck air! Jeremiah was pacing now, his pitifully tiny brain clearly overburdened with the task of talking, thinking, and walking all at once. We should be digging out of here! And what are we going to do if we get out? Katie stepped around the couch and moved to stand toe-to-toe with the panicky beanpole. It's miles of snow till the nearest anything. It was time to rein in the panic and get everyone moving. Carol slipped into her teacher's voice and spoke with calm and command. We're fine on air. Did you check the pipes? The air pipes. Two for house circulation and a pair for intake and exhaust for the generator. Gerd had asked about that this morning when she was getting dressed, but she'd neglected it till now. It was more important to get consensus first. Not yet. Well? Amos smacked his knees firmly as if he were about to get up. Let's do it then. And we probably better dig out and take a look-see, just in case there's a good way to hike out and get help. Jeremiah looked at her like she had walked out of Wonderland without a map. You're telling me you live all the way up here and you don't have a radio? An internet connection? Anything? There's a CB in the library for emergencies. Well, I think this fucking qualifies. You're right. It does. Carol stood up and looked over at the other couch, filled to bursting with Sarah, Katie, and Kevin all clustered around Gerd. Katie and Sarah, make sure that the air pipes in the attic room are clear, and that we really don't have a way out through the window up there. Katie gave her a curt nod. No problemo, senorita. Amos, Kevin, you take care of the generator. I'm on it. Kevin stood up and headed for the entryway. Amos stood to follow, then paused. Actually, you're going to need help digging and clearing the snow out. We should play Bucket Brigade first. Thanks. Adele, Gerd, you're on food inventory duty. I'll dig out and take a look around. Carol turned her attention on Jeremiah. Now, Sarah tells me that you have a talent with electronics. You've been listening to Episode 8 of Down From 10, written and performed by J. Daniel Sawyer, with original music by Danny Shade, used with permission. Starring T. Morris as Amos Maple, Philippa Ballantyne as Carol Lewis, Nathan Lowell as Gerd Falkstein, Miss Callender as Sarah Evans, Kitty Nakian as Katie Sato, Nobilis Reed as Kevin Walden, Chris Lester as Jeremiah Evans, and Christiana Ellis as Adele Surhan. 
Some sounds courtesy the Free Sound Project at www.freesound.org. Other sounds copyright 2009 Kitty Nakian and Artistic Whispers Productions. This audiobook is recorded, edited, and mixed at Artistic Whispers Productions in Castro Valley, California. The book is copyright 2009 J. Daniel Sawyer, based on a screenplay copyright 2008 J. Daniel Sawyer, and the recording is copyright 2009 Artistic Whispers Productions. This recording is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.5 license, and all other rights are reserved to the author.